episode is sponsored by High Point Market. High Point Market is the show in the design industry to see the most product for your projects and take in new trends. When you say you're going to market, people know you mean High Point. As West Coast designers, High Point is worth traveling to for the design inspiration alone. And you don't want to miss their world-class panels, tours, and unlimited educational and networking opportunities. Spring Market is April 13th through the 17th. So start planning your trip now using the official Market app and their free travel concierge services. You can get your free Market Pass by pre-registering before April 10th. To learn more and register, visit highpointmarket.org slash register H-Y-D-C. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister. And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF. We're not that hot or that young. But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses. We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day. So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers. Welcome to the club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? I have a tiny doggy on my desk, so... Just a little just baby. In case she pipes in, my parents, my little sister Lola, my parents' four-pound Yorkie is here, and she might pipe in. Yeah, she might have something to say. She's so tiny. Have you seen Demi Moore carrying her little doopy dog <laughs> in the promo? So. <laughs> he always has his tongue out. I think oh, it was a rescue. Like, has no teeth. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and there's memes of oh to be Demi Moore's dog and it's just this little four pound thing with its tongue out in her arms as she goes to like press events. Seriously, living the so, life. Could I please just be reincarnated as someone's little pillow dog, please? For real, Lola is wearing a little pineapple dress. Beautiful, serving the islands. <laughs> Serving the no-chill personality that she has. She's not island-like. No. No. She's anxious and shaky. Yeah. Do we have any housekeeping to cover? Just a few things. Thank you to our hotties who showed up and showed out at KBiz with us. That was really fun. Yes. Feeling inspired. And we have, I mean, full disclosure, we haven't gone yet because it was yesterday. You don't have that to keep ruining really the weird. Hollywood magic. No, you guys, Rebecca's like, really bad at the Hollywood magic. I, I don't like to lie, but our event is not lying. It's acting. This is the first. So it's not lying. Like, it's acting. Okay, but it's also we're a little more ahead of the game than twenty four hours notice. Yeah, being a month ahead feels refreshing for us. Yeah. Very honestly, like <laughs> time is a construct. So yes, but. Post me, March 1st me is really still going to be very grateful and thankful for everyone that we talked exactly. to and said hello to. Yes. And, I'm and sure we know we already make in our DMs, there's a, few DM, there's a few of you that are already like, I'm going or I didn't know I was going, but now I am. And so that's exciting. And I think you and I have talked separately, but we're just searching for like our next big plumbing collection or our next big... I'm paying much less attention to appliances this time, but I yeah. like most of my projects have a kitchen as part of them right now. So I just need to be focusing on those opportunities. I feel, yeah, I feel like I need a fresh plumbing inspiration and I don't know, go to kind of. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on there and what else? I don't know. We have a, we have a fresh shop coming in March. 
Yeah. So hopefully there will be the time you're ad hearing version. this. Hopefully there'll be an ad applied to this episode that is telling you all about it. Yeah. That's still and that's been a big in the works. And Ooh. if you've been in our Patreon, we've been talking about how we're moving to Shopify. So we in our one of our recent hottie hangouts, some of the hotties had some questions just in general about product, e-commerce, Shopify. So we we're not experts by any means, but by working with the developer who's helping us move the site over to that, we have learned a couple things. So there's always some fresh perspectives in our recordings in the Hottie Hangouts. If you're a member of the Patreon, you want to know more about Shopify. We've got some Yeah, the implementation there. is not DIY, I would say, but it's yeah. really exciting seeing what um, we can do. And hopefully it's a better experience for our shoppers and we can get more better analytics and stuff. And it just looks beautiful. She got a glow up. <laughs> Speaking of gloves, Demi Moore's new face. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. What? <laughs> that was, yeah, no, that is very impressive. So our website is now Demi Moore's third face. <laughs> her 60-year-old version, not her 57-year-old version. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the current 2024 version uh, that we're seeing in public. I've been obsessed. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so our new website, very, very exciting. And these are the things that we don't talk about very much because it's a little like how the sausage is made and probably boring, but it's been a lot of work. I think it's interesting from a designer's perspective to imagine all the work that you put into your own website of just, oh, I need a picture. I need another picture of me and I need a different as I'm taking pictures of my projects, like they can't all be the big wide shots. I need some detail shots that I could sprinkle in here or there in my investment guide or my procurement guide. And it's, I realized as I was going through stuff, I'm like, oh, I don't have that many horizontal shots. I have a lot of verticals. So now I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, next time I'm with my photographer, I'm going to ask for a couple more types of horizontal shots because I'm realizing I want different stuff as I'm doing those things. So I do think that it applies across just website design in general. Oh, yeah. But I just mean, I've never created a product-based site before this, mm -hmm. that I've been this closely involved in every aspect of it. And it's first, you got to design the product. Then you got to design the mock-up of the product in Photoshop. Yeah. Then you got to take that mock-up into a marketing sales version. Yeah. So it's very layered, very like, Matryoshka doll. Yeah. And you start realizing, um, and if you oh, make that's a mistake, too small to be like, red. And then I Yeah, to and then back. I got to undo like five things. And then our little tracking document. <laughs> oh I keep God. looking at it like it's, we have, it's very organized, but it's very overwhelming. There's color codes and who reviewed yeah. this, who reviewed that. Anyway, it's... If any of you know a data analyst... Or someone who would yes. be willing to freelance as a data analyst. And I'm not joking when I say this to the hotties. If you have a husband who is a data analyst or a partner or just a friend who is really great with organizing spreadsheets and data and pulling statistics, and this is what they love, you've got your own little chenandler bong at your house. Hit, hit, <laughs> I mean it. Hit us up. We're open. We would love to have someone help us with data analysis of a couple things. And we are actively trying to find 
someone it's probably who's, super simple for somebody who knows. Oh, what yeah. Like I watched the executive admins in my banking days. They're just like, oh, I got it. Hold on. Doot, 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 doot. And they're like, here you go. I'm sending it to the printer for you. And you're like, thanks. So we're just not that savvy, but we have gotten some, we've gotten ourselves pretty far. And it's, and we it's don't need to be any savvier. That's just the point. There's like a point where it's okay. I don't need to know. I don't need to know how to of, get the stuff. I need to know what the answer is at the end of the spreadsheet. Right. Tell that I need someone to tell us the data we need instead of me figuring out how to organize it or what commands to put into a spreadsheet in order to get the thing we want. So we're, we're doing pretty good. We're tr- we're trying. We're we're getting there. And so hopefully you're going to be seeing the results of all of that. And there's just more. There's so much more coming to everything. So check out our site. Check out our Patreon. We've been growing over there a lot too. And I guess one thing I've just started to realize is there's a lot of folks in just every different version or I guess part of their design business journey. So like we have Mm. some people that are still exploring whether this is a career path they want to take, some people that have been doing it for decades, and then all of the in-between. And it's kind of like a place, hopefully, that everyone can learn something and find... We really are hoping that people can find each other and their accountability partners, support group. And that's what our Hottie Hangouts are really awesome for because they're real-time and... If you can see them real time, I think they're more impactful, but there's still a lot to take from the video recordings. So, yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's if, if anyone's been out there and you're just like, well, I don't know, like we have people who are still in their first career thinking about switching over to design yeah. and they're not really like some people aren't super committed yet, but they do want to kind of learn and observe and try to understand if this is good for them, which I think is so smart to do like the R&D for yourself of, yeah, is this something I'm, I want to go in with my eyes open? So I think that's fascinating. So that way you can observe and, and hear the perspectives of other people who are working in the industry and get some honest answers to questions. And then there's the designers who have been doing this for decades who are like, I just don't know if I'm learning something different or if I miss something because... Or can I be doing something more efficiently? Yeah. So it's just the whole range. And that's what I love about, that's what I love about in general, our community of designers is just that we all have learned and lived different experiences and we can bring them to different conversations and different discussions. And it's just really fascinating to see how much we all have in common and (laughs) the similar pain points where everyone, sometimes no one puts their hand up when we, when, when someone asks a question, has anyone had this happen? And then no one does. And then other times, there's a question asked and everyone's, oh my God, me. So that is always reassuring to know you're not the only one in the room. Yes. So I'd love to see more people over there for our hottie hangouts, especially, but Patreon's where it's at. And we we dish a little more dirt. And, and if you like sh- hot tea, it's the hottest over there. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay. So okay. On, should we get into it? Show? Yeah. yeah. I jokingly was saying don't call these hacks because I really hate when people are like, 
I'm going to show you a hack on how to mix a salad. And it's literally just the regular way everybody mixes a salad, you know? And I'm just like, that's just tongs. That's You're literally just describing how tongs work in a bowl. What if you like, do it like the Kardashian salad shake and you put it in the clamshell and you shake it up? I, I don't know if I... I still don't know if that's a hack necessarily. It's not. And the Kardashians did not invent it, but no. they're claiming it. Remember when and McDonald's had salad credit. shakers? <laughs> So they're like cups. Yeah, they're yes. like milkshake cups. A little milkshake cup with a lid. And that was like a big deal. Wasn't there like a trap door on it or something where you could like the salad dressing would I fall know. into it? I don't remember that. Like mousetrap? Like it would just <laughs> drop in? No, I don't remember that. But I do remember the salad shakers being a big deal of, oh, you can get a salad at McDonald's now. And it, and then there you was the whole controversy. Salad hacks. <laughs> salad hacks. <laughs> That would be what your employee position would be called when you worked at Soup Plantation. I miss Soup Plantation. I miss also not being scared of going to a place like that. Oh, well, I mean, with all the outbreaks, listeria outbreaks and yeah, the sanitary. But you know what? A good salad bar really was the move for a long time. Have you seen... Oh my God, we are so all over the place right now. Sorry if you don't like this. Skip ahead if you don't like salad podcasts. Someone, I think it was on TikTok bought a salad bar and put it in their house. Didn't you see this? So I think no. you can buy it on Amazon and it's like a pla it looks like those plastic soup what are they called? The little the super thick little cars that toddlers drive in, you know what they're like feet, a Fisher like, Price cars. car? Yeah. It looks like it's made out of that material, that blown plastic. I'm looking at one right now and I'm gonna put it in the show notes, but I'm pretty sure that this is it. <laughs> it's like kind of tiny. Yeah, like a mini salad, but it has gla- has a glass lid on it's it. It's a sneeze guard. Yeah, and it has wheels. Yeah, and it's but it's ugly. It's like blue plastic. Oh, I sent you a black one to look at. But oh, yeah, I could for that's a party. If you did parties a lot, I could kind of see this being. <laughs> so this, yeah, no? some like, like kid, some kid said, "This is what I'm going to do when I'm an adult. Just have this in my kitchen because it's is it refrigerated or ice goes in it." Ice under the bottom of the trays. I mean, so in theory, you could be like a taco bar too, right? Or like an ice cream bar. In if you wanted to be a kid with a little ice cream stand, Mm. you could have little sprinkles and stuff to do your own little yogurt land setup. I'm not sure of the aesthetic, but it's a cute idea. I feel like someone can make it. Someone could definitely make it cuter though. Oh my God. They have an attachment that links onto it where you would put a cash register and it has a thing to put Mm. your tray down on when you're waiting to be rung up. On two sides. So you could have two trays on each side being rung up like you're the school lunch lady. Okay. Leslie would love that. Oh, and of course, Amazon wants to recommend the barcode scanner to go with it. Or or there's a salad scale that comes with it if you need to weigh. Okay. I need to get out of catering. To weigh your cottage cheese. Uh, Yeah, I need to get out of the catering algorithm here on Amazon. But yes. So Uh, why were we talking about that? Salad bars, and that our Hack. new thing was the salad, the salad shakers. Okay, hacks, yeah. hacks. So don't call them hacks, but we wanted to. We have. I mean, they're just like mini tips, kind of things that we do, and whenever we share about them, not everyone does them that way. So I don't know. There's always like a new spin on things, but you may already do some of this stuff. So we're not trying to say we're inventing the salad. <laughs> No, definitely not. Okay. 
So, so one of my big pain points in life is time tracking. Yeah. I just don't want to. But, and I, I don't do it as much as I should. And I, that's why I prefer flat rate because this little brain does not process that kind of stuff very well. But when I've been doing a lot of design to go clients lately, I think I have five right now. And I have to, I have to track their time. Yeah. So how did you, how were you tracking stuff? Just like in general, you're just jotting it down in a notebook yeah, kind of deal? Yeah, at one point I like made, because it's easier for me just to have something in front of me. So when I was just working at one desk, I had a little tiny clipboard with these little pages that I made. Yeah. And it was fine. It worked. I mean, yeah. Or I would rely on only using Acuity so I could always t- go back and make sure that... I still make try to do this, but make sure that I'm clocking everything when I'm doing my summaries. But I can always go back to the calendar. Mm-hmm. But the last year and a half, maybe two years, I've started using Harvest app, which is another app, which is annoying sometimes. <laughs> But it's it does it best. I I feel like it helps me categorize time better that way. Vers- like I still have times where I'm like not on my computer and I'm just working on drawings or something and doing red lines, and I will still jot it down. And I use blue for billable time is like my highlight color. I try to keep like my blue oh. highlighter nearby if I'm writing in a notebook or a pad of something. Anything I highlight with blue means it's billable. So that way, when I flip through to gather anything, I can see those. I'm big on the color coding. Like anything pink is a meeting. Anything green is an action item. Like anything yellow is a question. Like I'm, that's, I gotta have something to get my attention. I like that. I just wouldn't ever remember which one's which. I, I will always be traveling with my pen pouch, with my little pencil pouch. I think I would make billable green just as a note. Well, you would change yours then. Because you're associating it with, I'm going B for B blue billable, oh, and you're I'm going, going green, green for money. For money, yeah, See? yeah. But for me, it's like blue, blue is B billable is B. So okay. Anyway, magenta is meeting. Is that? Well, I mean, it's the pink highlighter. I think I was just I picked one for that. You can call one. it magenta if you want to stay with your magenta for alliteration. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yellow for why for asking why for questions. <laughs> Anyone who questions me See, gets a, it's a already harsh working. yellow. Guys, I hacked my markers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of a hack, though. I mean, that is a visual hack for you. Yeah. But I just in general, I find that being able to enter the time from whatever is written somewhere into Harvest is really helpful because I can document it in categories or by client. And then I have the data there to see, oh, how is my billable time looking? I can also warn clients if I've done a lot because it's live tracking. I don't have to add it up. Like it's, hey, just a heads up. This week we've run through 10 hours. Like we thought we wouldn't have that much. If you're doing like designer on call, right? You could tell them you're going through your time right. faster. Right, which that's what I do love about it. So Harvest, if you haven't used it, I think it's getharvest.com. You have to do it Harvest app because there's a bunch of other Harvest things. But yes. it does integrate with Asana and it's, only for time tracking, basically. So when it comes to pieces of my business or operations that are more challenging, I prefer to use 
software that is dedicated to that. You can hack this hack and find another way of tracking your time in an app you already pay for and use. And that if that works for you, that is awesome. But I need something that's really easy. It has a great app. It's beautifully designed. It like takes a lot of the friction out of my tracking hesitancy. So once you set up your project, you can either set a budget for the client or I've started using retainers in Harvest. I last night just leveled up how I'm using them. So I, I'm not going to go into all of it, but it's pretty awesome, honestly, because that's one thing that was starting to be hard because I'm getting prepaid time. So clients are prepaying, which is a retainer. And you can actually do it in Harvest. So, and now I have one client that is an ongoing, she's buying ongoing packages of time. So I can bill through Harvest. I invoiced her for another package of hours and it'll start a new retainer and then I can draw from it. Yeah. So every month I'm trying to do my little monthly reports and make sure they know how much, how many hours they have left. And Harvest does make that way easier. Yeah. It's, I know you are like working on automation and steps with that. So that's a whole other thing that we won't be able to fit, especially because no, you kind of need not, to see the it stuff. It doesn't really work. Yeah. It so work it's, that. but the idea of just being able to have a simple system where you can track it and you can look at where time is going, super helpful. Um, I'm not big on like the clock in, clock out feature, like while I'm working. That doesn't no. always work. It's not always clean cut for me to do that. Like, so I would forget to turn it off. And now it's like, oh, that's been running for 17 days. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where did it start and end? That's the part. So I still like to do my entries and I, I don't do them daily. Sometimes it's weekly. Like if I'm kind of just going through stuff and I know I've got a little pot of hours to pull against for something, mm-hmm. I like to have that weekly update. But otherwise, it's about every two weeks that I go through and make sure it's So all you there. like to jot it down on paper or your iPad and then log it into Harvest so you can pull reports out of it. Yeah. because th- So there's, for example, like I I just had this happen actually. Like we had to switch a vendor for who's doing our permit set for a project and it was unrelated. I don't even think I told you this, but one of the, one of the vendors that I work with, he had a health scare and needed to have surgery. And so he's mm-hmm. going to be out of commission for quite some time. And so it's nothing personal, but the client needs to keep moving and they're going to, we're just going to kind of have to, they're going to have to terminate their contract with that person and move on. There's no animosity. It's fine, but it's time to move on. And I'm, I offered the client some credited time where I would meet with another vendor. This is just one of those situations where it's, I'm going to do this for free because it sucks in general. It's just one of those, it was out of our hands and it's no one's fault, but I also don't make it right and move on. Yeah. I just want to get us to the next person who's going to finish the permit set for us and get that done and finish with the engineer. And I, so I was like, I'm tracking that time that I'm spending on it because I said I would only do up to two hours of like on-ramping time with that vendor to get through, get them up to speed on whatever they need or a site walkthrough, whatever I need to do. But it was like, I'm going to cap it at this number. So I'm tracking that, but I'm crediting it on the invoice as I'm doing it and it's technically paid. And then I do like a customer satisfaction credit and cancel out that amount. So they get charged for it, but it gets canceled. So the net, they're not paying anything. 
And that's why I like being able to go through my numbers and check them for accuracy before I send an invoice because something like that could come up too. Do you send invoices through Harvest? No. Yeah. I only started doing it with those additional packages that I already have a retainer on. I just started doing it yesterday. But I don't... Yeah, I use Harvest just for tracking. Like there, You can invoice and take payment and stuff through it. Mm -hmm. It attaches to Stripe and PayPal. But I don't use it like that. So when I do have to normally... I do have a few clients that I am billing, tracking for project management stuff. And I just track and harvest. And then when I'm ready, I just do a little time billing in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems to me, I don't... It's I just don't want to have clients seeing invoices from a bunch of platforms. Totally. Which this client would only see it from harvest. So it's fine. Yeah. If they'll never know, totally fine. But usually it's nice too, because just from the bookkeeper's perspective, it's like everything went through one place so they can track through studio and they know where it is. But I still have to enter it into studio. Like I still will have to do both. Yes. So it's... This is something an assistant can really do for you though. Designers. Oh. If you've reviewed the time that all the entries... if If all of the time is accurate, all the entry work is not, it's not skilled labor. Like it doesn't have to be right. you doing it. Yeah. And I just think of it more from the client experience. Yes. They're not getting random links from five different things for me, even though they kind of are, but try and limit yeah. that. They start with Dubsado, then they go something else. So yeah. Anyway, Harvest is very powerful. So some hacky There's- ideas. Yeah, I think just in general around time, that that kind of comes up a lot with a lot of designers of just, oh, I don't track everything and then I don't get paid for it. And I know that that happens. And I think the the hack of it all is that a lot of designers we've talked to who never really tracked their time and just started with flat rate, when they finally do track their time, they realize they've invested too much. So I still think it's really wise to have some sort of place where you're looking at I spent 100 hours on something that I quoted at what would have been 40 hours. And so you basically made less than half of what you thought you should. And so I think if you're starting, unless you've had data from somewhere, it's really wise to know what your time investment is on projects and to figure that out somewhere. I don't think that's a hack necessarily. I think it's more just No, that's good advice. Yeah, do what I say, not what I do as (laughs) far as that goes with me. But yes, no, I agree. And I always think about that. Did I lose... Am I losing money on this or did I make something out of this? And sometimes you might not if you... It's just a matter of keeping track of it. And I don't really fight on stuff. Like sometimes something takes me longer to get through on CAD just because I'm kind of like... I feel like a space cadet that day. And I realized, no, I'm going to credit back some of this time. Like I don't feel like I'm too hard and fast. Like I'm trying to be fair, not... They're right. not accurate, I guess. Like the yeah. accuracy of it taking me three hours to do something that could have been two. Like I want to be fair. Totally. Or I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day who's getting into the industry. And if there's something that I have a learning curve on and I need to like up my education, like a new bedding line, like we're starting to work with, like I had to learn a lot about that line that wasn't, the client doesn't need to be paying for me to learn that. 
Yeah, um, like researching and learning time is not. Yes, and plan. what they all what they have and just all the different things about it. So, I think when there's education involved, you kind of gotta absorb that. Yeah, I I agree with that to the extent of if you're researching with an architect and talking about building code information and getting up to speed on what your requirements are, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like that, that is specific to that project. But learning our industry and expanding our knowledge base, you're kind of going to have to do that every point in your career. And so not everything is billable. Like you're not going to charge your client to read the international building code. That's just not going to make sense. No. No, or if you're really slow because you haven't done something before. Yeah, it's like your first time in CAD. Make some adjustments within reason. I don't know. I feel like the fairness part is the big deal here of just... I don't want to short myself, but I'm also not... I'm not going to... But in defense of that, that's also where the rate kind of washes out too. If you're new and learning, then your rates... The rate goes up. Your rate can go down, yeah. Or yeah, that's the other reason that you have assistants that are at different rates because it might take them longer to source something, but they're not getting paid the same as you, the lead designer, to do something. And you're going to have to look at it. So, Also, that's literally how every industry works. That's not fresh news for anybody out there. Pyramid schemes? That's... (laughs) I mean, yeah, like all of marketing, all of the... Capitalism is basically some form of a multi-level marketing. <laughs> just being I mean, fresh with that. That's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's a hack. Late stage, okay. late stage, hack of, late stage <laughs> capitalism is the greatest hack of all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hotties. We're taking a break to talk to you about Moe's Home Collection. Look to Moe's for their full line of furniture and home decor that will give your projects that perfect blend of relaxed and modern vibes. And the in-house design team at Moe's has created elevated and design-forward creations from across the globe. As designers, we appreciate that they focus on quality while bringing unique and new styles that infuse life to our projects. The Moe's website also makes our lives easier as designers with high-quality product photography and up-to-date online inventory so you can source quickly. Moe's is a no-brainer to help your business grow with no order minimums and their low freight costs. And you can expect something new at each market where they introduce more than 300 new products. So be sure to visit their showrooms in Las Vegas and High Point. Great news. Podcast listeners can save an extra 10% off their purchase using code HYDC10 at checkout. So register for your account at moeshomecollection.com today. Okay, so. What else? I don't know. I feel like that's kind of it for time. We've been talking about time blocking. We have time management as a whole separate Patreon potty hangout that's out there. So that's a that's a really good one where we talked with other designers about the practices for that kind of stuff. So that's a fun one. Otherwise, I think we're pretty set on that one. Okay. What about tablets or iPads? I mean, I don't... It's not Apple. I don't want it. So... But not everyone feels that way. So. I know. We're um, Apple babies. So we are. You're not going to get us to like forsake Apple. Everything. You're not going to get a green text from me. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> really bad. We always have that one friend in our group text thread with our, we call ourselves the Real Housewives of Long Beach. And there's 12 of us in there. 
And yeah, we have our one friend who has an Android device and turns the whole thread green. And it makes all of us angry to the point that like when we need to exchange photos or videos because it ratchets down... They yeah, they turn into tiny little... Oh my God, they're like little Mario dad's. Brothers 8-bit pixels when they come through. And they do that on purpose. I know that's not like the photo was but, taken that way. It's just Apple's like... you can't see it. No. And so whenever the iPhone users need to exchange stuff, we have a separate thread. It's everyone oh. but John. And then we exchange our photos and to get everything or send videos back and forth to each other. Oh, John. I mean, he could get it together, but he's, you know... Well, no. Okay, so that's like we'll call them iPads. <laughs> yeah, because our... we're using our iPads because so we they only pair know about all of our other technology, and that's all we know about. So, is an iPad worth it? Because they are not inexpensive. No. Do I... I think it's worth it? Do you think? I mean, I think it is. I think it is. I so the hack of it all for me, from as far as work goes is using the app GoodNotes. I think Mm -hmm. you use it too. And it's Mm -hmm. basically a note-taking app. And there's only a few of them. I did a lot of research. There's only a few of them that kind of do as much as GoodNotes does. You can add videos and photo. But what I love about it is I only take, especially site visits, I will only take notes on it because it syncs. Like I can't tell you how many times I've tried to find a notebook or a piece of paper that I like threw in my bag and then it got in my car and, and then the car you don't want that for measurements never... <laughs> like when you just measured a house you do not yeah. I mean we use canvas too but any kind of measurement like there's sometimes I just need to measure this chair I take a photo of it on my iPad like I'm a grandpa at a wedding mm-hmm. yeah, and big... <laughs> with my big iPad take Tourist a photo at Disneyland and then I draw right on the photo exactly where the measurements, what the measurements are that I'm taking. And that to me is, I'm sure most people do that, right? But that's like the hack of all time. Like it saves me so much time. It truly, by not having paper at consults or meetings anymore, I, it really does free you up because I can write something down and like you said, it syncs so you can get to it on multiple devices now. So whether that's your phone or your laptop, like you're never without what you need, which is another reason why separately, just unrelated, I love our having Google Drive because the Google Drive is accessible and all of that. So I can be at a site visit with my tablet and I can pull up a drawing that, you know, like I have access to all of the client files and I, you know, I don't have CAD on there, but I can get to PDFs, I can get to files, I can share them quickly. And I'm not just fumbling on my phone, which is not a tiny screen on my phone either, but it's not a tablet. So it's really been very helpful. And there have been times where I've been able to redline something at the site and then forward it. Like I can airdrop it right to the client, to the contractor. And sometimes it can be like, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to send this right now, get it printed. Like we're going to put this up over here. And it just makes it so much faster because you have more resources at your disposal instead of just, okay, when I get back to the office, I'll send this over. It's how oh, come on. Yeah. And a lot of the consultations when I'm... Like a lot of times clients are wanting to figure out art or what should go in this empty corner. And so I'm telling you, like the drawing on a photo of the room is 
the yeah. easiest, fastest thing to communicate. So, okay, here, like I just did this last week. I think you should have a tree in this corner. So I just sketch out like the height of the tree, I think. Here's about the size of the tabletop. Mm-hmm. Here's the height of the lamp. So I can help them like visualize scale. Yeah. When they're shopping, they can figure it all out and measure it and stuff. But they can start to picture what I'm talking about or gallery walls or like size of art. It's so fast and easy. And then I don't, I do not give notes to clients. Like I don't type up a recap for consultations. But if I do some scribbles like that, I'll send that stuff to them. Yeah, I just send it like raw, I guess. If I have a couple pages that I'm like, oh yeah, okay, export, export. Yeah, I tell them, I I try to do it right then. So I'm like, I'm just sending this to you really quick. So I don't have to type anything up. But yeah. um, Yeah, that is super helpful. And then this year I downloaded a planner in GoodNotes. So GoodNotes has a little shop, of course, that you can download templates and stuff. Or you can import your own templates. Yeah. Like for instance, so I'm going to go off track for a sec. For instance, like our drapery calculator we have is like kind of a workbook page. I have that as a template page on my GoodNotes. So when I need to do the calculation, I just can make a fresh template page. And you can do that for all kinds of stuff. But I downloaded a planner that it's like 500 pages. It's crazy. And it has all these hot links. So I can click on January and then there's a little mini calendar and you can click on the date and then there's like weekly agendas. So you can kind of organize yourself in this. It's almost like a little website. It's really cool. Yeah. So I've been trying to plan my weeks out better but because I just need to see and write things when I'm in planning mode like that. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool tools on there. People, people do like stickers you can put on. I'm not messing with a bunch of shit. But, um, you can organize folders. So I create a client folder. I try to have a site visit folder and photos. Yeah. I have uh, nested folders in mine. So it's like the client folder... And then I nest other things within it if I'm really going to be in there for a while. Like It would be dope if it could be your Google Drive and things could be in your Google Drive folders because I have you basically have to create a new yes. yeah. folder group in GoodNotes. Yes. But it would be nice if it was all connected because then you could open it from your computer directly from your Google Drive. And all your site visit notes are with any photos that you'd put in there and any other documents. But anyway. But that doesn't exist. Good notes, if you hear me. <laughs> does not. But anyway, yes. So I love it. You can handwrite everything and you can convert it to text, like um, typography to make things a little bit more legible if you're a chicken scratcher. You can put voice memos. Like people like do all kinds of shit. I know you can go wild. So I feel like where we're at is it's well, we're not quite going wild with it. We're just getting ourselves further than we would have gotten kind of on our own. And in a one stop shop, it's searchable. Even your handwriting is searchable, which is awesome. Yeah. Also, as far as another little hack for iPad, I got a paper like skin. Do you have that? The screen protector, you mean? Yeah, it's it's called Paper Lake, right? Yes. It's not 
like a regular screen protector, it sort of has a little bit of graininess, like a piece of paper would. So when you use the stylus, it gives you a little drag, sort of. Yeah, I like Like a a textury paper to write on. I wish wish GoodNotes had a pencil textured option. They do not, but it's my one downside. I like to write with a pencil. I like the... So you want the stylus to have a tip that's a pencil kind of grittiness? I want the pen option to be a pencil. Like right now, all you can do is pick a fountain pen, a ballpoint pen, or a brush pen. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. I want it to be saying. a pencil. Because you just like want it to look like pencil on a page instead of Look, pen. but it also writes differently. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to take your word on that. I'm not a ballpoint pen girly. It's a no. Yeah, I'll just have, I'll have to take your word on that. I don't know that I I don't I, I don't yeah. know. I'll write in the highlighter. This is a if full personal preference thing. <laughs> I'll write just write. I will write rock. a full presentation with a highlighter if that's the only thing I had in front of me. <laughs> I like actually couldn't. I don't. Think. You would die. Yeah, your hand would fall off. I actually keep getting fed ads for the pen t- pen tips that are for the actual pencil. That you can replace and like artists for artists and stuff, which I am not, but they have different ones that will affect that even more, which mm-hmm. feeling would be there. But anyway, okay, I digress. Yeah, yeah. So iPad, yes. Get Honestly, one. Good Notes would... is like the biggest. That might be the only thing I really use it for for work. And Canvas. Oh, mine doesn't have. Lighter. I got it right before it came out. It sucks being poor. No. <laughs> you rich and I'm poor. <laughs> Just kidding. I use my phone like a. But it has lidar, so it's the same. But yeah, I my use mine does. for the yeah. lidar scan, which is really nice. That's it, it. Is sort of like like I'm going to a consult tomorrow, and I have like I've charged made sure I've charged up my iPad, so that way I have it. I've got my laser measure, so I'll, it's like part of my kit, you know, when I go. And I feel like now it's so much easier to show up because I'm not bringing a big notebook. I'm not lugging around a bunch of weird stuff. It's just my laser measure, my tablet. Hi, I'm here to talk to you. And we just get going. And then I can make notes. Yeah, I have a consult kit too that I have this perfect little bag that fits my iPad in perfectly. And then I have a little pouch that fits my laser and my measuring tape and my little NYX color scanner. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That little chroma matcher for paint colors. Yeah. Sometimes I'll throw in a paint deck, but I don't really want to get that deep on consults unless they're specifically telling me that that's what they want. Yeah, when they, um, if but, they book and they tell me we're picking this color for this room and it's separate, and I'm just like, okay, I'll bring, I bring like a Dun Edwards and a Sherwin Williams, and we just try to go as fast as we can. Yeah, but having that one little bag that's kind of always ready, little go bag, it is way easier. And I also feel like I'm not schlepping in a bunch of shit. Like sometimes I don't even bring my purse in the car, depending on where I am. I just leave it and. I don't know. Because I used to bring, I used to come with this big bag and it was like, I don't know. I just felt like a schlepper. Yeah. And you're like in these people's homes with all your shit. 
The one thing I have been thinking I need to add though is my little booty covers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I have them. I keep them in the back of the little stove underneath the like, back part of the car. I have an umbrella. I have an extra sweatshirt. If I'm ever cold at a restaurant somewhere, I know that I have a jacket under there. And then I have the little roll of booties that I can pull from. If, But I mean, I would have to go back to the car for them, but at least I have it if I'm not feeling like being barefoot or something. Yeah, because I don't always wear socks very often. So, and you know, some people are no shoe houses, which is totally fine. But I need to just have a quick no worries option. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw some of those in there. And yeah, be ready for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Getting I I I wouldn't I don't regret it. I couldn't go back now that I've had it if that helps anybody make the decision. It's worth it. I don't think you have to start with it if you're like, okay, but I've never I'm just starting out on my own. I think you could get by with your notebook and your measuring tape for a while, but it's definitely a professional flex to have it. It's it's nice. Even most of the contractors now aren't showing up with paper notebooks anymore. They're like showing up with tablets. So it's just kind of like where things are headed. Yeah. Yeah. Unless your daughter takes it out of your bag and you don't know, and then you show up for a presentation without it, then it's a problem. I mean, did we talk about that? I feel like we did talk about that on the show, but also I don't know if we did, but yeah, don't, it's not for playing Roblox. It's not. So, a play you know thing. what she does now? And I'm trying to understand what she's doing. Every single morning, she goes and looks for it now. I mean, we had a big talk after she did it, took it, and because hers wasn't charged. So, she stole mine, did not tell me. And I literally had a presentation. But we had a big talk about it. She cried about it. She felt really, really bad. But she now every morning she's asking me where my iPad is. And I'm like in bed. I'm like, why? I'm going to charge it for you. So she now looks for it and charges it for me, which is still a problem if I think it's, if you in, think it's my in your work bag. bag. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Cecily, why are you doing that? Are you because she's not using it? Like I see her, she's not actually using it. Yeah. She's, I just want it to be charged for you so you can go to work and make money. Um, <laughs> kind of sweet. But then also, if it's not in your bag and she, uh, I forgot to take it off the charger, yes, it's the same problem. So and it's not a right charger back. I use. So I'm not looking, but not in my it. purview. No. Yeah. So basically, I'm hearing who moved my cheese, which. God, stop moving my cheese. Like yeah. Very cute and sweet, but. Please. Yeah, don't move my cheese. Don't touch my stuff. I had a conversation with Sean yesterday because he moved my car. We, you know, like at my house, we have the covered, like the portico. It's like a covered little mm-hmm. porch under over the driveway. Or as the French would say, a porte cochere. Mm-hmm. So we have the portico. But for some reason, he put my car in the like regular exposed part of the driveway. And of course, yesterday was like a downpour day in Los Angeles. And so he put it like he moved my car into the driveway, but purposely left it like out in the uncovered portion. And I was like, I don't understand where the thought process finished. Of Oh, I want it to be closer to the house, but not that close. <laughs> so you still have to get an umbrella out and walk down the driveway with your bag and your hands full and all your stuff. And it was just like, oh, you were so close, bud. Oh, well, I mean, he tried, so, but yeah. So close. But, Anyhow. 
not 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 like a level 10 out of the most urgent things that happened in our households. But yeah, you want your stuff where you want your stuff. Okay, one more little note, hacky thing for the iPad that I do back to my photos and my drawings. But when I'm prepping for an install and trying to figure out accessories and stuff, if the room is already there, then I will take a photo of the room and the space and start sketching out like what needs to be. So like yeah. need a vase about this big, greenery around this high, and start then cataloging every single thing that I need to get. So if you're a visual person, which you likely are, if you're in this industry, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot, lot, lot you can do. Absolutely. Cool. So that's a lot on iPads. You guys should definitely be thinking about it. This one was just more stuff about pre-construction phases because there's so much involved with that. And then our episode with Tankersley Construction was really helpful. We talked a lot about like what that process looks like and how do we come up with things. So that was kind of a start to this conversation. And it's more just about starting the conversation and talking with your clients about what those steps look like to make your life easier. And some of these were even questions that we got from other designers during our listener survey of just, what do we do with this stuff? And one of the questions was, do they, do they already, do clients already have architectural drawings or are they starting from scratch? Which I think is very common to wonder when you're first starting out of just, well, what do I do? And I will sometimes ask clients, have you ever had any remodels or done anything to your home where you have a set of plans? Because Anything mm-hmm. helps speed the process up, especially if you you know your project is going to have to involve another architect or someone. And I would want to know because... What that if they roll out a 200-year-old blueprint? I mean, it's cool, Once but yet. not helpful. But, yeah. you know, yeah, by the, the odds of that still being accurate are very bad. Let's but, um, frame it. Yeah. Yeah, frame it and put it up. But also, I've... I've looked at one before where it's like, this architect's still in business. Why? They already have this. Mm. And it was like a modern set of plans. Like the previous homeowner had done a remodel three years before. And I was like, mm. they would probably have some quick ability to get back up to speed if they have these CAD files and everything still. It would not be hard for them to stay involved potentially. Oh, so bring them back on the project. Yeah. Or but also, they'd probably sell you the plans too. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like jump, jump start the process from there. But it also means that when you have those, even if we can do things on can on canvas and scan and get new floor plans, having that to reference does speed up my process. Just being able to kick off anything with a set of plans is really helpful. So it doesn't hurt to ask if they've ever had some or if someone left some. You never know. If not, no big deal. Like and on that note, recently on one of my design to goes, it's a new build that she had a architect and she's right. in a different state. And we decided we wanted to have the files in chief architect so her and I could collaborate a little bit easier on finishes because mm-hmm. all she had were these flat drawings in PDF. And so I found somebody on Upwork who converted all of her architects documents into chief architect for me $300 on a 4,000 square foot house. That's, that's great. Amazing. So just note on that little, there's tons of people on there. If you want the guy's name specifically, I can just DM me or something. I can find it and share it. Or maybe I can put it in show notes. I'll do that. 
Maybe. Maybe do both. He's in... Can't no, no, do country. it on show notes or something. <laughs> I'll do it on show notes. No, 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 I don't remember, but he, I'm just telling you he's in a different country. So, But his English was okay. Yeah, that's really smart, actually, because then you're not having to take on all that workload of doing it. Like, you could. Oh, but... it would have taken me 10... I, actually, I couldn't even have done it. I don't have the skills. It was a two-story house on stilts. I wouldn't even have known how to do the roof lines and stuff. So Yeah. That sounds so much easier. And she was like, had never seen it in 3D because her architect never made it that way. So she had only seen like elevations and floor plans. So she was like amazed. I feel really firmly that it's a disservice to our clients to not be able to have modeling for something. And I feel, I just think it's silly that it's not built into so many processes for builders or architects or it's just it's sort of just an essential thing now of to be able to see things and it's not even so much that we need it it's that our clients need to see stuff like they don't understand how it's going to come together but honestly i need it and this is just where everyone's different everyone has like different entry points and um abilities but it really, really helps me to visualize a space when I can see it like that. But not everybody needs that. So you wouldn't need to necessarily learn the software, but there's plenty of ways to get help, whether someone's just rendering something or Agreed. giving you plans. But I think it's so smart. And to add to that is if you don't if you don't have plans, that's totally fine. Get them, work on it later. But I do think that there's a phase where for me, this is more just like when we do it, I don't bring in an engineer or anybody during initial meetings, especially not during a consult, but not even during like my first, okay, you've signed the contract meeting. I'm There's so much I still don't know yet. And it's generally like the t- I need a little more time to do that. But if you found someone who could start earlier or if the client had someone, I mean... Okay, but like an in general, engineer or a contractor? I mean, either. I just feel like most of the time, they, my clients don't even know what they're going to do yet. And so if I don't have a design plan, it's like asking a contractor or an engineer to hit a bullseye, but I'm not, I, like they're blindfolded. They don't know how to hit the bullseye yet because they don't know are we going to take out that wall? Are we going to keep that door where it is? Are we going to move that? There's, still a lot of unknowns at the beginning, which is why my preference is to let me get in a little bit and get my feet wet on a project and figure out the general idea of what we're going to do. And then let's bring in the right partner to figure it out after that. I mean, I guess you need to... if Okay, if somebody doesn't have a gigantic budget per se, and they're a little bit nervous about the costs, Mm -hmm. it would be helpful for somebody to paint a picture of costs. So basically what we're talking about is a $120,000 kitchen. Is that even doable? There there are times where that information is needed before they hire you to even do the design plan. Potentially. I mean, it's unfortunate, but... I mean, that's... To me, that would be... A good contractor could probably quickly do that. Or they can, because I've done it. Yeah. I don't bring anybody. I don't bring anybody in though. Like not in a consult, but on maybe like a feasibility conversation. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, that's where the cost versus value remodeling guide has been helpful. I know we've talked about that before, but I'll link that again in the show notes. But it's just sort of the, what can you expect for people to kind of figure out, are they in the right place? And for me, that's helped people decide, oh yeah, I'm not there yet, which is fine. It's just that idea of, we do need to have some information like you, you have to at least be able to talk with that contractor. If you're saying we follow that road of bringing in a contractor, you do have to be able to tell them in general, they want to take out this wall right. or they want to open this up. Like you've got to give them some scope. And if that means you have to reel back before the plans get made, that's, that's different. But I mean, it's tough because if someone's really committed to the job and they've got a big enough budget, maybe you've already got a contractor who will bite, but most contractors want to know this is going to go somewhere. So I think a lot of that will depend on the relationships you start building with contractors. Some won't even show up without seeing a plan. They're like, what are we talking about? So it's just getting increasingly competitive for a lot of contractors where they're they're not going to create a quote or a bid or even really talk solid numbers unless they know something is firmly going to happen, which is kind of like chicken or the egg situation. Yeah, get a little bit open, more open. Yeah, their schedules to where they are able to have more conversations. I mean, it's just about bandwidth, but... Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, I wouldn't bring him in in a first meeting unless... I don't know. We just knew there was... I don't know. I don't think I would either. I never have. I just... To me, it doesn't feel... Unless that client's already worked with that contractor before and they're like, for sure we're doing it and we've got enough money. Come in. You're the only guy. That could be great. I just don't see that working for most people. But in that scenario, you would just move forward with the plans and then figure out the cost later. So Yeah, that's kind of the dream. But I mean, generally, now I'm like dangerous enough that I'm not... I know I'm not a structural engineer, but I can... After having done enough jobs, you start to figure out as you're walking through with clients of, okay, yeah, we're going to need some help on this. You're talking about blasting open a whole wall and putting in a door. There's going to be some structural implications or you know, there's enough where you can not get yourself in trouble, but still know it. And some of that just came for me with time of looking at situations, looking at where like, as I'm walking up to the house, I'm literally looking at like where the roof is or what it looks like. And sometimes I'll step outside while we're doing the consult and I'm like, Okay, yeah, your like whole roof is ending at that point above that wall, so that's probably going to be load bearing. So we're probably going to have some problems there, but let's figure it out. And it just helps to just give general ideas. I've never had anybody try to hold me directly to something at that early phase. So if you're just no, or if sure it's just a know, question, like this could be, it could not be. If it is, this is what we'll have to do. So yeah. Yeah, I'm never absolute of any of that stuff. Yeah, and it's been changing lately. So for example, I have a project that, well, it's a little bit delayed right now. It's, I don't think I told you this either. They're close to the beach. And once upon a time, they weren't that close that the house was going to be required to go through Coastal Commission approval for the remodel. But as of... The beach got closer. (laughs) As well, no, at just as of the new, some new building code requirements going into place, a la 2024, January 1, they now are required to do that. Oh. So, what was a pretty much ready to go permit set now is required to go through Coastal Commission <sighs> approval, 
which, okay, fine. I'm not, they're not mad at me. It's frustrating. It stinks. It's not great whatsoever. But what we're doing as we're like, okay, fine, uh, is we are now getting builders to come in and give us contingency budgets because I'm, I know it's going to be expensive and I'm very worried that we've kind of already pushed the plans sort of past the limit. So now I'm starting to shop those to builders of you are going to give us a range that these things are going to fall into because I'm not going to finish creating other design plans without knowing where I need to aim. And it's kind of built on this conversation we've been having over and over between the Tankers League construction episode and among other designers of just, I, I, can't, I can't aim at it if I don't know where I need to be. And the clients have really beautiful taste, which could get them in big trouble. <laughs> like They're not going to have the money for that. And they're going to have to pay for me to redesign spaces. Yeah, and don't get mad at me later because the tile is $30 yes. a foot. Exactly. So I don't want them to fall in love with something they can't have. And I just want to be realistic with them. So to go back to that, like when does the contractor come in? In this case for us, it's because we have a set of plans that we are pretty confident is going to... We're not making any wild changes that are out of the scope for what Coastal Commission would like. So the architect has said, I feel really good about still having someone look at it because if they request any changes, they're going to be sort of non-material to the basics of the design. design. Yeah. So, you know, they're not going to ask us to like cut, cut a bathroom or do something like that. They might tell us we need to change the way a window faces or change the size of something, but that's not materially going to change the overall budget that significantly if that were right. to happen. So it's it's time to start getting contractors in. And it's going to be, it's a big project. Like it's going to take them time to do it and to get us numbers that we can work with. And then I'm starting to finesse with them of you need to aim, you know, at mid level or higher finishes, not builder grade finishes. Like we need to see realistic numbers. And I can penny pinch here and there on final selections if I need to, but I'd rather know upfront where I need to do that. And can we save some pennies for furniture? Mm. And window treatments. <laughs> God. And so that's why I'm saying like, this will help me with that because then I'm able to give a more informed decision versus the way that I've been doing so many of them before this is we get the quote, it comes in wild. I have to make adjustments to the design plan or downgrade some of the lighting or the plumbing or something. Or clients are just frustrated and they're just spending way more than they thought they would, which is probably going to happen during almost any project. I've never heard any designer say, I came in exactly on budget and they never had to spend more. Said no one. No. So that's, that's where I'm at on like pre-construction for me is, okay, now we're going to get bids with contingencies and they're going to put in how much per square foot on the bathroom floor tile, on the shower wall tile, on the plumbing selections. And then we see if those numbers get them a quality that they want. And can we make adjustments? Yeah. And put aside some, a little bit of extra. Save more. <laughs> Save way more. Save at least 10% more off your total number. I mean, I would love to know like how these big designers with big budget projects get clients that just don't have spending fatigue. I have found it even with clients that have the money, they're just tired of spending it. 
But you just keep writing check after check, and then I mean, go, I understand, yeah. sure. and you don't like, you don't get to live in it yet. So you just and they're feel like, like what this the hell? bitch. Like, what does she want now? <laughs> yeah, I oh, mean, what, we now felt she that wants way. us to buy window treatments. Like I know for our own home. I mean, we were kind of there when we were finished with our pool and getting like hardscaping in, and I was like, how many plants do we actually? Yeah, need no, to get? it's <laughs> totally normal. Like it's not that the clients are horrible or something. Yeah. But but then you just see these like crazy projects that are like, oh God, they didn't, they didn't pinch one penny, you know, all the way to the end. How if I had it, that? if I had it and I knew that I was spending it on that and it was like, this whole thing is going to be all in $10 million and I went in with my eyes open, it would be way different. Yeah. If I, if I really went in, because we had clients doing that when I was in wealth management, they were like, buying lots in Pacific Palisades and they were like, yep, this is going to be like a $12 million project. And some of them hadn't even started construction when I got there and weren't done when I left. And that was like three years in and they still weren't done with these mega mansions they were building. Like these were Even huge they must projects. get tired of spending at about the 10 million point. Some of them... Some of them were like, or you just get their credit cards, so then they don't even know. Like, I mean, some of them are worth, you know, like seventy, eighty million dollars. What's, what's? I mean, we're talking that's their cash available. So what's ten? Like when you have other non-cash, <laughs> a, when you have non-cash assets, like I know. And, but if I had a hundred dollars bills in my hand, yeah, I, I mean, that's not gonna kill me to give it all away. But if someone just asked me ten times for one dollar and five minutes, I would start getting annoyed. <laughs> you know, it's really it's the A process. lot of them also have people for that when you hit that yes, ultra that's network what I'm wondering, level. Is you, it, you have someone I, else who deals with it and brings you up That's what I speed. think. If there's a buffer, then you're like not getting that psychological part of it. Yeah. Because some of them, some of the clients that I worked with had a family office, like a lot kind of like succession style. Like these right. were rich, rich people who had full-time staff who helped them manage their portfolio. And some of them were CPAs. Some of them were attorneys. Like It was like a credible, not a fly-by-night person who would who had authority. Like Sometimes they had the account that was paying for the remodel. That person had signing authority on it. And so it was right. like, this and they is have the a budget. approved... Yeah, these yeah. are the approved limits that you can authorize payments for. And they had legal agreements with those people. And then anything beyond that would need another approval in order to do something. And so then that way, the client would have to be brought back in and say, what do we do here? You've, you've gone through the whatever allotment you had for this yeah, month, but the contractor on, needs more. We tacked on a whole extra wing of the house we weren't talking yeah. about. Yeah, or you guys like, wanted that car lift for the garage so you could park twice as many vehicles. And you're just like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> what? It was... It's just wild. The one percenters okay. be one percent. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyhow, constru- construction I just in general. Be like a ten percenter. Um, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. So in general, <laughs> okay. So construction hack would be learn <laughs> learn everything you can to do high level quotes early. Yeah, get some basic numbers, the cost versus value remodeling guide, or just based off of your past projects, as you build up your repertoire, you'll get kind of an idea of what in general pricing is looking like. That's sort of the, yeah. don't call it a hack for that. And then 
The next piece I think is now really essential is just like getting some contingencies and numbers from contractors so you can actually work off of something and create the rest of your designs without feeling like you're limited by that. And then, I don't know, another haughty question. Well, sorry, just like building relationships with the contractor so that you can have offline conversations and like they can give you the real deal. Exactly. And you have a trusted situation. Or call them and go, what are we looking at? And if they're like, I'm hearing 300 grand, you're like, okay, like you at least know what you're getting into. Um, Yeah. This one is the last one. This is a question from Mahadi of when do we find out construction timelines? Honestly, you. Honestly, whatever timeline you come up with is probably not going to be correct. That's one thing I've learned is what I think is eight as weeks a designer a, or even contractors contractor. don't know. Like, well, they can't always control it. But I have found the ones that use software like Builder Trend or whatever. They have a pretty good timeline, unless something happens where cabinets get delayed or appliances or like or a big weather delay where they can't pour concrete yeah. or something like but they yeah. can move that number still so they keep the they keep having a different projection date and it's a day like it's february 19th like it's not an it's not arbitrary sometime in the spring kind of right <laughs> and i mean almost every time i've had a contractor say oh i think it's going to be about this many months they're mostly pretty close, but it's not perfect. And you also can't hold them to it. And I've and had clients say... the start date say, is like yeah, I not don't know. counting. Like, like, yeah. And so clients are like, well, what can we do? Can we make them hold that date? I'm like, no. Like, not for your $200,000 remodel. Like, you, they're not going to sign a contract that says, for every day I'm over, I don't get paid or something. Like, there's... Oh, some sort of state construction project? Well, and that's how it works with like very large commercial construction yeah. and you're building a skyscraper and stuff like or for freeway. every month. Yeah. <laughs> for every month you're over, you're going to start losing 10 grand from your contract price. That'll make... Or you get a bonus if you finish on time. Okay. No, but so they're just going to have little... 25 trades just sitting there not working every single day. That's not happening. No. Like they... Everyone wants to get paid, but like most contractors, they're... There's no incentive for them to let this take longer. They they can't move on to other jobs. No. They don't want your job to take longer. But it, I understand where the fear comes from clients of just wanting to not feel like they don't know when it will happen. But it's not going to work on these small jobs. You're not going to be able to get them to commit to a date. Most of my estimates just come from having worked on projects and talking to other designers and just saying like, how long did mm-hmm. that take from start to finish? And how long were you involved? And the more that I understand that, the easier it is to be able to talk with clients of, hey, this is like a master bathroom remodel. I don't know, two to three months, just depending on what we're looking at. Does that freak you out? No. Okay. Like from demo to final touch-ups, like that's not wild. Like you could be involved for a while. You could have most of your house back in order sooner than that, but let's not plan on it. Right. And there's still going to be people in your home. Yeah. Every morning in your bathrobe, contractors telling you good morning. like. That's the thing I think that people really, if they're living in, if they're living there, that definitely no is the part. Someone always around, dust every, just everywhere, mm-hmm. just everywhere on everything. And it not is having, like a some sort of torture, privilege I mean, torture, but it's privilege torture. Yeah, privilege torture is the right word for it. 
yeah. torture for rich people. Yeah, I mean, it but feels... actually, really rich people are used to people in their homes. Yeah, like yeah, they have people comings and going. Yeah, floral people or and there's always every, something that needs maintenance or touch up. Yeah, like just there's just people coming and going. Yeah, whenever I do, because I was a notary at that time in wealth management, and so sometimes I would go out with some of the advisors, and we'd be showing up somewhere to notarize something or whatever. And yeah, there were always other people in in or at a home in Homebly Hills or in the Palisades or wherever. And you're going in and you're just like, this is the house manager. This is the housekeeper. <laughs> it's like Annie at a Daddy Warbucks house. There's yeah, there's like a nanny. There's somebody watering somebody. the plants. Yeah. Yeah, the landscaper's there. Like you just don't... It's like being in a hotel. There's constantly stuff going on. It's not you like how we're used to a private residence. You... If you need privacy, then you close the door. You retire to your chambers. Yeah, and you let the you let the your staff know that they're not to interrupt you, and then you have privacy again. If the door is closed, do not do anything. But I like, think the staff doesn't normally. They don't interrupt unless they're there to be like your personal trainer. They're just like they just come and buzz around and do their yeah. thing and leave. So. Do you hear that? Do you hear that story about Mariah Carey, where yeah, she required? People, she requires her staff to not be in the same room as her. So if she needs to come through, her assistant will run down to the dining room Clear or the, the kitchen. Room? Yeah, and just, hey, she's coming downstairs. You all need to go. And they could be in the kitchen doing stuff and they have to run to another unseen place. So, so she, she can, doesn't like, want to see them or they, no, she, yeah, doesn't she doesn't want doesn't. them to see her? I don't. Well, I don't know which one, but it's the same idea for both is just that you're not to be around me. And it was like, so she could make breakfast for her kids, which I'm like, oh, okay, fine. You're going to make little pancakes or whatever. That's cute playhouse and all, but like these, but they the have a job pancakes, to do. Like, but it's already mixed in the bowl and all. And yeah, the, the housekeeper left it already all on. The griddle's warm. She already and then made they the run. first pancake. And then she says, where are the blueberries? And they just pop up on the counter, like from underneath, like someone Julia Child. Like, someone who's hiding just... Is there like pushing, <laughs> pushing whipped cream forward in the, in the, in the refrigerator? Like, just, oh my like, God, delusion. <laughs> but it's just, I can understand not wanting to see people and just wanting to have your house feel like yours. Oh, and, uh, and do like, not... Come Britney in my house Spears when I'm tired in my of cozy. People touching like, her hair. Yes. Yeah. I completely. No. I mean, I get that too. I guess it's just what is the intention? Is it? Yeah. Get the get the help out of my sight, or I just want some peace and quiet. No, I think she's a bit of a diva. So I would say that for MC, yeah. that's definitely the I don't want to see you. Probably also if she's not fully done up, she probably doesn't want people seeing her either. Well, they've all signed NDAs. They, what do they? They'll know. face financial ruin. Seen, and, they know more than she does about her house. Yeah, they have to fold her panties, right? Like you don't say that. Panties? <laughs> <laughs> Unmentionables? Like <laughs> so gross. Her drawers? <laughs> her underwear? Someone, someone's putting her laundry away, and it's not Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is not. not folding her hosiery. Someone is definitely <laughs> taking care of stuff for her. She hasn't gone to the dry cleaner in 30 years. Ever. Someone's Ever. unwrapping like she them, started before taking she did them off cleaning. the hangers, putting them on the nice fancy satin hangers and putting them in her walk-in closet. 
space and two inches apart. Yeah, she takes off her high heels and then afterwards someone comes in and polishes them up and cleans them so they're like beautiful and the red bottoms of her Louboutins are like perfectly cleaned and shiny. That's the For life. tippies? Yeah. So we can dream hotties, okay. but well, these are a couple of big things for you to take take a little chew and see what you get. A little grab bag episode for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's it. Till till next time. Stay hot, designers. Thanks for listening to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. For more on what we talked about today, check out the show notes. Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our conversations continue on Instagram. And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon. 